0: Hello, guys, and welcome back to The Treatment Room. I am your host, Tessa Zoli. I'm so happy to be back with you guys and back on the mic after a little holiday hiatus. I feel like I know it's a good idea for me to take a step back from content and slow down, especially during the holidays, but I really missed creating content, and I feel like it's so important to my overall happiness. I think I'm somebody who needs to be productive and busy. I think that's good for me. I love having a creative outlet. I love feeling like I'm contributing in some way by putting some information out there. And I love the sense of community that comes from this podcast or from Instagram or YouTube. I feel like That's so important, especially in times where a lot of us are isolated or quarantined. Community is so important. And I feel like, especially as professionals and as estheticians, having that safe space you can go to, whether it's... Just because you had kind of an off day, or you felt like you disappointed a client, or you fell short, or you just want to share something really positive and amazing, I feel like having that sense of community is everything because everything is greater when shared. And there are times we need support, or we just need somebody to celebrate with. And I'm so glad I have that. And I hope you guys feel like you do too. And I hope this podcast and the skincare community and esthetician community is that safe space for you. I'm excited to get into the topic of today's show, which is skin sins. So this is going to be like a lighthearted, casual, fun episode. And my hope is, is that in sharing some of these things, these skin sins, or, you know, maybe some mistakes or things you could do to your skin that aren't necessarily professionally recommended. I hope it kind of just takes some of the intimidation out of the whole skincare skincare world because I know skincare and becoming an esthetician can have a little bit of an intimidating side. I know I felt that way and it can feel like there's all this pressure to know everything. So I'm hoping we can kind of like have a laugh at these things that I have done to my skin or that you guys have shared. I posted a question box on my Instagram story. If you guys aren't following me there, by the way, my handle is at my SD Tessa. I love posting the question boxes so I can get some feedback or just get, you know, some of your experiences or recommendations and bring that to the show. But you guys let me know some of the things you've done to your skin over the years. And I think, I just think it's kind of funny because nowadays it's like when I'm talking to my clients and, you know, they have these questions or concerns, but they're always like pretty normal. Like does toner come before or after serum? Like how long should you wait before applying sunscreen? Like they're very normal questions but growing up in the 90s when I did you guys we were really like a little bit lost like it's kind of concerning thinking back because these aren't just like normal (laughs) like missteps in order like some of these things could have been potentially very harmful and we were kind of just lost out there. There was no TikTok or YouTube to kind of, you know, follow other people's routines. We couldn't just Google or YouTube like dermatologist or esthetician skincare routine and like get a general idea for what a skincare routine should look like. I was like following my mom's advice or a friend's advice, maybe a Teen Vogue magazine article, like maybe. Maybe. But for the most part, we were kind of just winging it, and it was a little bit concerning. But I'm excited to get into these, and I hope they just kind of make you laugh and feel like whatever you're doing on your skincare journey is probably light years ahead of where I was. Okay, starting with the first one, just to give you a little background, I have grown up with freckles. I've pretty much always had freckles ever since I was a little girl. And I know nowadays, freckles are very embraced, like, almost kind of a modern icon, if you will. Like, they're very much celebrated as, like, a cute feature and something that's desired. Like, you can even buy a little pen and draw your freckles on. Like, freckles are almost kind of mainstream, cute, trendy at this point, right? But when I was growing up, I didn't have that many friends that had freckles and I felt really alone in that and sounds crazy, right? Like freckles are so cute, but I just didn't feel that way growing up. And I think especially when you're little and you have a skin concern, that can be like a big point of anxiety or feeling like you're different from the other kids. And I just really didn't didn't like my freckles. And I wish, I wish I did, but I just grew up really not liking them. I even had somebody bully me, which was so, so mean. Kids were so mean. But there was this little boy that called me, what was it? Like a rotten banana. And I never forgot that, you guys, because I didn't like my freckles as it is. And then it's like when somebody says something like that, it's just, it's tough. So... This is what I did as a kid to try to treat my freckles. Disclaimer, this does not work. If anything, this will worsen your hyperpigmentation. I heard a little myth, which is how we got a lot of our like (laughs) skincare things, I guess, as a kid or growing up in the 90s or maybe even generations before that. Like you did these things that were kind of like wives tales, like pretty dangerous, risky, like not advised at all, but you just heard through the grapevine, like this was a treatment for freckles. So I would cut up lemons, just like regular lemon from the store, cut it in half, take that outside, rub it all over my face, just rub the freckles almost like I was thinking I was giving myself like a chemical peel or something, Um, rub the lemon all over my face to the point where it was stinging, probably in my eyes, burning, and I would lie out in the sun because I was told that will lighten the freckles. So I would do this pretty much every summer without fail. And honestly, I don't remember like too much harm coming from it, but just not a good idea. Like a a great way to damage your skin barrier, again, to worsen your pigmentation. Not to mention, I was definitely not wearing sunscreen. I was literally giving myself like a chemical burn from lemons, highly acidic, and then just frying in the sun. So I don't know how I didn't end up with like third degree burn. I know margarita burn is a thing. I don't think anything too bad ever happened, but still do not recommend trying this at home. And also something to know about freckles is that they are easily activated by the sun. And They're different from a lot of other types of hyperpigmentation in that freckles can't be completely erased forever because if you have that genetic predisposition like I do having European slash Irish roots, like when that gene gets activated, when I go in the sun, my freckles are going to pop they're going to come out more I can lighten them I can brighten them there are even lasers available that you know I could get to temporarily target some of that pigmentation but it's not the same as like targeting PIH or PIE if that makes sense so it's very difficult to lighten freckles and I wish I knew that I learned that like pretty early into my esthetician career because that was actually one of the insecurities I took going into esthetician school. I wanted to work on my acne and I wanted to get rid of my freckles. So I'll never forget asking Michelle Phelan on a day she came in to like give a lecture or something of that nature. And I was like, hey, you know, like, is there any way I can just get rid of my freckles? Like, I don't want them anymore. (laughs) How can I treat this? She was like, yeah, you really, you can't because it is something that is activated by the sun and it's in your genetics. So since then, I have definitely embrace them more and it's really not something I notice that bothers me but it's kind of it's kind of funny how insecurities you might have as a kid can stick with you even you know going into your more adult years but zero out of ten would not recommend putting lemon on your face and lying in the sun. Okay, the second thing I did was also in the name of getting rid of my freckles. And I know you guys are probably like, oh my gosh, I feel for this poor child who, you know, didn't, didn't like her freckles. And it is sad to think about. And I wish I could have just like hugged little Tess and told her freckles are cute. They make you different. And in a few years, people are gonna be drawing them on. So embrace them while you can. Okay. But I really didn't like my freckles growing up. So the second thing I did to try to get rid of them was I went into CVS and I picked up this cream. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't know if it exists anymore. It's called Esoterica, I believe, face cream. It's literally a bleaching cream and it contains hydroquinone. Did I have any idea what hydroquinone was as a kid? No, I didn't. I just was obsessed with CVS. This is where my obsession for skincare products started. I loved going into CVS, and I knew, I knew every product on the shelves. So I guess this product caught my eye, and it basically just had like bleaching cream. And it's kind of scary thinking about how this was even an option over the counter that any anybody, including like a young, maybe 10-year-old, like I don't know how old I was, but I could just go pick that up and start using it on my skin. Now, I know hydroquinone can be controversial, and I'm not actually opposed to to hydroquinone I'm just very much of the mind if you're going to use it it should be used under a professional's supervision you don't want to use it forever it should be for a finite period of time outlined by your professional based upon the manufacturer's instructions who knows how potent this cream really was but I ended up buying it and I would use it every morning and every night. And it it did work. Um, I saw more progress in terms of lightening my skin and lightening my freckles. But kind of the scary thing to think about is, again, the fact that I was not supervised using this. I don't think my mom had any idea I was using this. Gosh, the things I would just do in my bathroom, just like locking the door and like playing little chemist or kind of Kind of concerning to think back on, but I was using this cream morning and night. And if you are using hydroquinone, you definitely want to make sure you are practicing safe sun, you are protecting your skin with sunscreen, hats, you know, avoiding the sun whenever possible because going in the sun could make that pigmentation worse because of the photosensitivity from the hydroquinone. I knew nothing nothing about, you know, the sun protection element of using this product. I was just using it twice a day, not wearing sunscreen, probably going to the beach all the time, playing lots of outdoor sports. And sunscreen just was not a thing when I grew up. Like it was something, I mean, it was a thing. You would wear it when you went to the beach or when you had a soccer game. Something like that, but it definitely was not something we put on every morning the way that kids are taught to do now because of TikTok. So, yeah, lots of sun damage I accumulated in my younger years. And if I could go back in time, that is something I undoubtedly wish I could change because although you may not see the effects of sun damage in your early years, they do show up later on and a little bit unrelated, but I feel like this is important to mention because I've been realizing the more I talk about sun and, you know, educating about how important it is to protect your skin from the sun, especially if you have acne or are, you know, In the process of healing some acne trauma or acne scars, I've been talking about how important it is to protect the skin and protect that trauma so it does not result in more permanent damage. I've been talking about that a lot on TikTok, and I did not think this was in any way controversial to protect acne from the sun or protect acne scars from the sun, but... Uh, apparently it is. And I have gotten into, you know, more conversations on TikTok of people saying, but the sun helps my acne. The sun fades my acne scars, that kind of thing. And although the sun may temporarily help decrease the oil levels you are producing, making it feel like you are producing, uh, making it feel like you're breaking out, less over time, that does add up to collagen depletion. It will signal your skin to produce more oil because it's dehydrated and inflamed. So in the long run, it's really not helpful. And that's something I wish more people understood. I think because the sun is a natural thing, it gets very easily romanticized. And I know the other argument is about vitamin D. And as important as it is to get vitamin D, tanning is not the only way we can absorb vitamin D. We can absorb vitamin D from foods. We can absorb it through supplements. And you can absorb plenty of vitamin D protected, wearing sunscreen, going on a walk, there's no need to lay out unprotected. I think there's this myth that you need 15 minutes of unprotected sun exposure every single day. And if that were the case, it could add up to a lot of damage over time. So you can still get your vitamin D while you are protecting your skin and protecting your acne and your acne trauma. And that will help you out down the line and prevent dealing with some lifelong consequences of the choices we make when we're younger or before we know better. So I hope that resonates. Next on my list, a little bit similar, but tanning oil. So if you grew up in the 90s or you're a millennial or any generation before that, I think a lot of us grew up with a big like pro sun or pro tanning kind of mindset. Like we thought tanning was really, really healthy for us. And it was very much mainstream. Like that's what you did in summer. You tried to get as you know dark as possible. You tried to get a nice tan so you could come back to school with a tan. And growing up, my three best friends were one of them was Indian, so she obviously had a higher Fitzpatrick. My other friend was Danish, and although she was like a Fitz two or three, she tanned really easily. She didn't burn right away, and she could get some decently deep color without burning. My other best friend was Greek and similar to my Danish friend, she had a lighter, lighter Fitzpatrick, but she never burned and she tanned really easily. And although my mom was always, you know, reminding me to wear a hat, wear sunscreen when she was around me, or if we were outdoors for long periods of time, of course, there's times like when you're a teenager, when you're on trips with your friends, you're at the beach, you're running around like doing your summer things, you know, as a kid. And again, we just didn't have that education about sunscreen and sun protection. And it never crossed my mind, like burning is really, really bad for you. And, you know, we heard like, oh, you can get care skin cancer from tanning, but it was never like oh, this could happen to me. This is serious. This happens within a reasonable amount of burns. It was like this far off idea. So I spent a lot of summers with my friends who had a more natural protection sun protection factor in their skin Um, i spent a lot of summers laying out with them using tanning oil and getting as dark as possible and again that's something i so regret because the damage does show up in your later years and had i been smarter had i been more savvy about the sun i would have had a lot less damage to try to address in my 30s And it's something I think about because these things can get expensive. Getting Botox for, you know, those premature early signs of sun damage or, you know, that really stubborn pigmentation or just the general collagen depletion. Like you don't, recognize those things until it's too late and you're trying to correct them. And talking to my mom too, this is like a theme that comes up for her because she also didn't grow up with the idea that, you know, you're supposed to wear sunscreen. It was very much about laying out in the really hot Kentucky weather, like wearing baby oil and tanning. And now she comes to me and, you know, she might be bothered by certain wrinkles and she wants them gone. And I have to say, mom, There are certain things you can do, but we have to have realistic expectations because once we have depleted collagen or once a wrinkle has had a chance to be more fully formed or more deep set, it's harder to get that collagen back and get the skin back to where it was. It's so much easier to be preventative than it is to be proactive when it comes to our skin. And this applies to Scars, pigmentation, fine lines and wrinkles, like the main concerns that people come to in my practice. It's so much easier to be preventative and to put sunscreen on every two or three hours than to be bothered by an acne scar that's been worsened by the sun that could take months to years to try to treat. So that's my tangent there and tanning oil. Never again. I actually gave up tanning, you guys, which I'm very proud of. I gave up tanning about two years ago, and I think it's one of the best decisions I ever made. I wish I wish I start started earlier, and I think I'd say, like, the hardest part about it is kind of how normalized tanning has become so it's like you go on vacation with your friends everyone just thinks tanning is like the normal thing to do and nobody thinks twice about it so i've had to become that person who's like "Mm -mm, i'm not doing it like we're sitting in the shade or i'm sitting in the shade and i will wear like joggers i'll wear a hoodie and just cover up with light layers and protect myself I'm not somebody who, you know, is meant to withstand long hours in the sun. And it's really not beneficial because any sun damage is inflammation that's happening on a cellular level. There's no healthy amount of tanning or healthy amount of sun damage. It's only bad and a lot worse. So. That's my note on tanning. If you want to give it up, you definitely can. Slide in my DMs if it's something you are thinking about committing to. I tried to start like a little bit of a movement. I think it was last year in terms of tanning. I don't know how successful it was. And I know a lot of people love to be in the sun. Like it makes them feel good. But it's possible to enjoy it and like be be out you know at the beach or by the pool and still be under shade and still be protected and you can still enjoy your vacation or enjoy the sun in a safer type of way but just remember like a tan lasts what a week or two but that damage is lifelong and it can really add up it can can it can get really expensive so I'm not a fan of tanning okay oh no (laughs) <laughs> oh, I forgot about this one but oh this one is good you guys okay so this this particular instance happened one time and it was over summer right before I was about to go to Stagecoach which is like a country music festival you guys probably heard of Stagecoach I wanted to just take some hair off of my upper lip so I thought let's not make a waxing appointment. Let's just purchase Nair from my local Target. And that way I can get rid of the hair from the comfort of my home on my own. It'll be so easy. Not only did I put the Nair on my mustache, but I thought, let's just go for the sideburns. Like Any little vellus hair, which by the way, my hair is so fine and blonde, it's like not really visible anyway. So this was completely pointless, but I just thought, let's smear it on there. Let's be barefaced and smooth and clean shaven for stagecoach. I'm not kidding. I think this is how my acne was originally triggered because I had never really dealt with acne in any capacity from my youth through college. Like I think the most I ever had was maybe one pimple and that was coming from somebody who used Neutrogena, like, you know, whatever was at the drugstore, makeup wipes, slept in their makeup, basically did everything wrong. All of a sudden, after this Nair incident, your girl started struggling with breakouts and acne and, you know, there's likely more of a hormonal genetic component, but over-exfoliating the face, especially, I can't remember if the product was meant to be used on the face. I want to say it wasn't, but um, really no Nair should be used on the face and, Ever since that instant, my skin was like highly sensitized. It was red. It was rashy. I had little breakouts from the overexfoliation the next day. And then, to make matters worse, I went into Stagecoach, which is basically in the desert in very hot weather. It's hard to escape the sun. You're basically like, you know. At a festival under beating sun for hours. And I already had this reaction going on. And to make matters of worse, make matters worse, I was just sitting in the sun for hours. And when I got home, I was sunburned. I had more breakouts than I had ever seen in my life. And funny enough, this is when I happened to meet Lauren, you guys know from season one, she was the first esthetician I ever really met. And I met her at Stagecoach. And we got to talking and I was like, what the heck is going on with my skin? Like, what are these breakouts? And she was like, so sweet. She was like, well, what are you using? Like trying to help me out. I had no clue that the Nair, <laughs> I don't know how I didn't cross my mind, but I had no idea that the Nair... Could have contributed to this situation, and it's only in hindsight that I realized that. But yeah, don't use nair on your face. Okay, unrelated but a little bit similar is the tinkle. I think that's what they're called. Am I making that up? The tinkle razors, Um, those little like colored razors. I also loved those. I. I feel like this fascination with like removing all of our vellus hair became popular in the past couple years, and I think we understand now that the little tinkle razors are not dermaplaning. I myself have a little bit mixed feelings on dermaplaning, and I know a lot of estheticians love it and offer it as a service, What I personally feel about dermaplaning is that it is for a specific skin type that's very normal and not breakout prone because any type of over exfoliation, even with a medical grade blade, if you are going over skin or follicles that are prone to inflammation, sensitivity and breakouts, it's not gonna make matters any better. So I'm I'm not a fan of dermaplaning acne prone skin myself. And when it comes to the little tinkle razors, I see a lot of irritation and breakouts from those things. So if you're using them, I do not recommend. And if you are, I'd say use them to get maybe like a couple little hairs in very concentrated places. I noticed where people get the most reactions is like maybe around their cheeks. I think that area can be more sensitive. So it's one thing if you're like going for an eyebrow hair or two or like a lip hair, but I definitely would not recommend using those all over the face. And I had my experiences with those as well. Like just go into town thinking that I was doing the right thing and listening to a lot of influencers who told me to do that. When in the long run, it was not a good idea for my acne prone skin. Okay, let's see. Yep, that's all of them. That is five skin sins that I made growing up. I'm excited to get into your guys's and see what kind of crazy things you did. So let's do it. Okay, so the next ones are from you guys, and I'm excited to see what kind of mischief you got into. Okay, the first one is from Animalito Cyan, is her handle. She said, in middle school, I would use a salicylic acid face wash two times a day, and I would never moisturize. Yep definitely could be a little sensitizing, a little drying. I know my skin could not handle that, especially if I was not using moisturizer. And unfortunately, I feel like this one is not super uncommon because I know a lot of acne prone skin types or clients that I see are afraid of moisturizer or afraid of sunscreen. And it's really just about finding the right one that works for you and your skin type. But you need that hydration and healing. We can't just be dissolving our blackheads and our oil without putting any hydration or healing back into the skin. Okay, Beauty Amplified said, I scrubbed my back acne with lemons and sugar. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one using the lemons. I don't know what it was about our generation, like, we thought lemons were the ultimate DIY beauty hack. Like, we put it in our hair, on our face. Like, that was the height of DIY. Easiest way to compromise your barrier because you are taking it from a normal, (laughs) normal pH to, like, as acidic as humanly possible. Not good okay beauty amplified also said i lathered myself in coconut oil and laid out in the sun yep oh gosh yeah been there the most important thing is we're not doing it in 2021 not in 2022 Mm -mm. no more laying out especially with oil move with rachel says i tried epilating my upper lip and absolutely shredded that skin no I had to explain it to people. I'm so sorry, I have been there. It's like, why do we think we must rid ourselves of any remnant of human hair? Like we'd rather (laughs) ruin our skin or rip it to shreds than have like a couple little hairs, make it make sense. Jennifer Probless says, no strips and witch hazel okay I forgot about this but Biore was such a thing I saw somebody using it on TikTok the other day saying like I went to Target and got some self-care things and I was like no that is literally okay I think people think pore strips are like pulling the gunk out of your pore but it does not work like that. You are literally just ripping the top layer of your epidermis off. <laughs> like, you might get the blackhead with it, but you're just ripping your skin off. So the, a better a better way to address that would be to soften the sebum, soften the skin with an enzyme, a little bit of steam in a treatment room, get some safe extractions. But yeah, we didn't know any better. Okay mcafee says toothpaste as a spot treatment yep that was a big one that was like the normal way to spot treat or so we thought what else beauty brains solution says toothpaste rubbing alcohol all the drugstore products not using moisturizer Tanning. Yep. I'm guilty of all of these. I really thought I was doing something with the toothpaste. I don't know where that myth started. Horrible. Horrible. Okay. McAfee also says scrubbed a cyst so much with a scrubber and Neutrogena it became an infected open wound. No. Oh, poor, poor skin. Also Neutrogena. That, like, I thought that was the ultimate clinical product. I thought I was, like, you know, a dermatologist, basically, with my Neutrogena face wash. Okay. Kara Mascara says, Neutrogena makeup remover wipes, splashed with water, then went to bed. Yep, that was, like, a normal routine. That was, that was the PM routine. Kate Nelson Aesthetic says, use the Clarisonic brush on my face until I got callous skin in the crease of my nose and I kept using it. No, I forgot about the Clarisonics. So glad those were discontinued. I know there are different versions that exist out there from like Vanity Planet or, you know, you can find it on Amazon, but also crazy to kind of think how mainstream the Clarisonics were. I definitely had one. And I actually worked in a spa that used Clarisonics for like the longest time until they were discontinued, but kind of crazy to think about scrubbing somebody's face with the Clarisonic, then doing an enzyme, then doing a chemical peel and doing extractions. Like, I don't know how I was not injuring somebody's skin, but it was the protocol. That's what we were told to do. Lauren Anderson Skin says, olive oil to remove my makeup thanks to an influencers podcast no yeah I don't think I ever got into the olive oil but that was really a thing too and I know JLo JLo promoted that too but enough with the like grapeseed oil olive oil hacks I remember an influencer podcast talking about that too and saying like, if you're ever on a trip and you don't have your makeup remover, just ask room service to bring you some olive oil. No, guys, no, I'm, I'm so I'm very careful on who gets to use like pure oils in my practice, which I know is not always the most popular opinion. I'm a little bit older, I guess you could say like older school with oils, I just don't see it doing like acne prone skin any favors unless somebody's super, super dry, like using it in moderation, but using it over their moisturizer at night. But I really don't recommend that for many skin types. I think oils are overly prescribed and can end up um, being more caustic by clogging the pore and preventing the ingredients you actually want to penetrate from working. So I'm not the biggest oil girl, especially olive oil or like a pure oil. Kat Nessa says I slept in an egg and banana mask and used real sea. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Using real seawater to wash my face. No. I also had to dispel the. The ocean water on your face thing that was going around on TikTok. And I felt like I was like, I need more SDs on TikTok. Because once people feel like something works, like putting ocean water on their skin, and then they they start to rely on it and depend on it. And I feel like it's like a placebo effect or something. So they keep using it and keep drying out their skin and dehydrating it. That's another tangent. Be well with Mallory says, I didn't wash it or use any skincare. Okay, that's okay. It's better than going overboard with, you know, some of this harmful stuff. Brooke Blurred Beauty says, I used a can of spray olive oil to tan with. No, (laughs) she says, super cringe ugh, we just didn't know better. She also says, I did an enzyme peel the week after a chemical peel. And then in parentheses, new SD excitement slash experimenting. Yes, this is so true. And I've heard actually at a conference, I think it was Mark Lees, who was the speaker, he said, I see the most breakouts at these esthetician conventions because everyone has more products than they can possibly use and everyone is has access to these like higher grade chemical peels and exfoliants and everyone's just going crazy with the exfoliation. But that's definitely real, especially when you're a new SD and you have so many powerful things at your disposal. You just want to use all the most, you know, resurfacing harsh things you know all in one go but it's so important to go slow and I still have to remind myself of that because I have so much stuff so much skincare and it's very tempting Brooke Bullard Beauty also says I squeezed the death out of my blood boil cystic acne for years okay this brings up such a good point you guys cystic acne cannot be extracted. Do not try to extract it. It is deeper in the dermis. It is like a sack of infection. So if you try to extract it, you can actually risk it that infection getting into your bloodstream, which is dangerous, or risk scarring because it's not going to come out. It's not ready. It's not to the surface of the skin. But yeah, I know I've mentioned that that to some clients and they didn't actually know you couldn't extract that deeper hormonal acne. Very good point. Okay, Cheyenne Rose, who's one of my clients, she says toothpaste or the ordinary red peel. Okay, I never did that peel, but I just, my face just burns looking at it. I had like a, I'd say like a couple month stint with the ordinary when it first came out. And like nobody questioned it. We were all obsessed. We were like, this is the future of skincare. It's so affordable. It seems so clinical. I'm not a fan of The Ordinary personally. I think it leaves way too much decision-making up to the consumer, way too much like mixing and matching, playing chemist. And I don't think it's like very high quality formulation I think it can be really irritating and if you have normal skin or you were doing something like crazy before maybe it's okay or like you're using some of the more basic things like the moisturizer but when it comes to like building a whole routine with ordinary or using some of their more active things like their peels or their vitamin c's I would advise against Tensha Carmen says, used St. Ives apricot scrub as a cleanser for years. I even put other people onto it. I feel you so hard, Tensha, because I did the same thing. So my parents were, they got divorced in, I think it was middle school, but I, whenever I went to my dad's, like, I would forget things and he'd be like, oh, we can just go to CVS and get whatever you need. So I'd be like so excited. And I remember we went and I got like my St. Ives and who knows what else I was using, like Clearasil and I thought it was so cool. But I definitely had that and used that as a face wash too. And also in our defense, we didn't know any better because it's so much exfoliation that it's like really sloughing off all dead skin, like really anything sitting on the surface of your skin. Like that St. Ives scrub is going to take it off. So of course it felt good. And we got addicted to that intense physical exfoliation. I wonder how St. Ives is doing like, are they even in business? Are they surviving? Because I feel like they're just an internet meme at this point. Resting Glow Face says, years before I became an esthetician, I used Dove Bar Soap and no moisturizer uh, the bar soap is something I think a lot of us held on to for a long time too. And I also think like maybe my generation, millennials and people older than me, a lot of us grew up with more like bar soap as soap than body wash. I feel like Gen Z like body wash is more of a thing, but we grew up with bar soap. And I actually remember visiting my grandmother when I was younger and my mom was with me and I hadn't even like packed any skincare. Like I didn't even have any, I didn't have a skincare routine. So I got there and I was like, mom, what do I wash my face with? Like, I didn't bring anything. I didn't bring my face wash. And she was like, just use grandmother's bar soap. Like, of course. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. (laughs) And she's like, uh, like, don't be maintenance or something to that effect. Like, we really didn't understand that's not meant to be used on your face. And it's even very harsh on the body. So bar soaps contain binders that are basically what, like, keeps the soap in its solid form. But it's very harsh on our skin. And usually bar soap has a very alkaline pH. So it's very stripping and disruptive to our barrier So. I wouldn't recommend. I also remember there was a time where the Dove bar soap was like the thing that people claimed helped their acne. I feel like that just died out, but I wonder how those people are doing now who claimed it really worked. Shelby Marsh says, I used to use Scotch duct tape to strip my blackheads off of my face. No. Must've hurt. Glow and go beauty go. Hey, Jackie says, oh no. Used rubbing alcohol and hydrogen peroxide as toner. Yeah, I feel like we thought anything had the potential to clean the skin could be used as a toner. Like apple cider vinegar. I remember when that was a big thing as toner. Safe Haven Skin says, I used products that made my face sting so badly, I'd fall asleep with an ice pack on nightly. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. That's horrible. I feel like the one thing I had going for me as a kid was that I feel like I could do anything to my skin. Like, Lord, I was mixing up all kinds of crazy DIY things. And thankfully, I had very normal skin that withstood the lemon and the tanning and all that, but not the smartest. Okay, Legend, who's also my client, says, laid on the beach facing the sun with no sunscreen on and coconut oil to tan. No, I am wincing for your sensitive skin, Legend. I'm glad we know better. And she is so good with her sunscreen now, even living in Hawaii. Now she goes to the beach in the early hours or, you know, later in the day to watch the sunset, doesn't lay out and tan. So progress has been made. Kylie M. Sloat says, I would take piping hot baths, scrub my face with St. Ives, then no moisturizer. No, that was the theme. St. Ives and no moisturizer. I still love a hot bath, I will admit, but I try not to take one for very long. I try to add some, some oils or something into the tub and just, you know, it doesn't need to get too, too hot. Okay. The last one is Ashley C. Aesthetics. She says, somebody told me potatoes helped with acne. So I taped sliced potatoes to my face. I heard this myth too. I don't know how this got started. I don't know if there's any science to it, but uh, I'm glad that phased out because I don't I don't think there's any way that could work. I don't know. All right, guys, that is all I have for you for today. I hope you enjoyed laughing at these skin sins with me because yeah, times have changed. It's kind of crazy. And now we have so many amazing SDs out there putting out incredible free content. So I feel like it's a lot harder. To make these mistakes not impossible and you're not alone if you're making them no shame but there is good information out there including this podcast and my socials which will all be linked in the show notes of this episode thank you guys so much for listening as always please let me know what kind of episodes do you want to hear next i'm thinking about 2022 what kind of guests I want to have on and what kind of topics we want to cover. So I am so open to your ideas and just love you guys to the moon and back for listening and supporting and you're just the best. So I hope wherever you are at in your skincare journey or SD journey, you know, I'm so, so proud of you. Take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.